the hold of Mesco. Good snap, good hold. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. The pitch. Swing a long one. We are going to game number seven. A game-winning home run. Pino steps into it. Pass is Welcome to The Score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a, shall we say, bittersweet roller coaster edition of The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. I'm very upset with my Green Bay Packers. I hate them right now very much. Christian, stop it. Um, But our, collectively... Appalachian State Mountaineers took $1.5 million to go beat the number six team in the nation. We'll get to that and why the Sun Belt's the greatest conference in college football uh, right now. Anyways, I have to admit a few things before we get to our panel, which consists of, but it's not limited to, Michael Davis, Christian Emery, and Josh Scott. Christian's got four letters I absolutely despise on his screen right now. He's wearing god-awful colors. Stop it. Nah, I'm good, thank you. (laughs) Take that we're, hat off. We're not on screen, are we? Because the fans no, would no, not enjoy the, Christian's the, the fan The fans would not enjoy Christian's purple and gold vomit-inducing outfit at the moment. Anyways. Okay. We won. I don't care. Go ahead. Yes. We were thoroughly outplayed and, and outcoached by a 15-year-old. Anyways. Um, I was wrong about a few things. Number one. I was wrong about Baker Mayfield. Kind of. He looked terrible for the majority of that game. Um, I was wrong about the Panthers' defense. They also looked terrible. I was also wrong about the Panthers' offensive line. Then again, you had a rookie against Miles Garrett, so that's kind of an outlier. But I was wrong about a lot of things, and I must own up to the fact that, one, the Panthers' offense did not execute as I had expected and predicted them to do. And number two, this multi-talented Panthers defense was the one that got carved up like a holiday ham. It wasn't the Browns defense. I was wrong. And can I say... I'll wear it. Can I say that I was right? That Michael Davis, for some for some reason, was right? I don't think anybody told, cares about that. But I told know. everyone who would listen, Baker Mayfield is not the savior that you guys are expecting. And he goes out not only on week one with his new team, but goes out against his former team. He's basically playing the third-string quarterback from the Browns, Jacoby Brissett. And all of a sudden, Baker, you know, just takes a big dookie on the field. And now fans are like, yeah. Unironically, the same color as his opponent's uniforms. I mean, Nobody's going to laugh at that, really? Baker's just not uh, the guy, you know? <laughs> he's not him, as as the kids say. He's not him. He's not him. Resident Panther superfan Josh Scott. 
please explain what happened. A lot of things happened on Sunday, Brett. Um, Michael Davis alluded to it. The first three quarters of the Panthers-Browns matchup were horrible for Carolina. Uh, Baker Mayfield looked rattled. He looked out of focus for a uh, a, uh, large majority of the game, especially during the first half. Um, The interception he threw, I don't know who he was throwing to, but it was not on target. Um, Defensively, the Panthers could not stop the run. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt went to town on the black and blue and, uh, or the blue and white for the, the, for that specific game uh, for the Jersey combo, but um, couldn't stop the run, had trouble getting uh, Baker Mayfield comfortable or he had trouble getting comfortable. And where was Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey was nowhere to be found. He had 33 rushing yards and 24 receiving yards and one touchdown. I understand you're trying to limit the amount of carries that he has, but you don't want to go from one side of the spectrum to the other. And that, that that's sure. an interesting – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's an interesting point that not a lot of people are talking – Christian McCaffrey was asked about it at length uh, after the game and, of course, gave the same, you know, the same kind of answers. You know, I was trying to do my job. You got to get whether I have the ball or not. But if you watch the video – of his answers to those questions, his body language is one of, no, I'm not happy I didn't get the ball. You, Baker Mayfield dropped how many snaps? Three, four? Four. It was on the fourth one that Christian McCaffrey would have been one-on-one with a safety on a on a little go route out of the backfield that Baker Mayfield dropped the snap and Christian McCaffrey just said, all right, screw it. I'm picking it up and doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you give Christian McCaffrey the ball in open space, he's going to take advantage of it. And I'm hoping next weekend against the New York football giants that Matt Rule and and new offensive coordinator, coordinator Ben McAdoo will go back to that. You know, I mean, of course you don't want to overuse your best player. You don't want him to get injured. I understand that he hasn't played a full season since 2019. But at the same time, Christian McCaffrey is still your offense. Baker Mayfield may have been the story of the game Sunday, but Christian McCaffrey is still your offense. You need to give him, and you need to go with your offensive playmaker if your offense isn't able to do anything. So it's it was just tough seeing him not get the ball as many times as I thought he would. Um, what's also disappointing, though, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that this would have kept the Panthers from losing per se. But that final drive for the Browns, which led to the 58-yard field goal by Cade York, kudos to him, by the way. That was a heck of a kick. 58 yards is Big no kahunas easy. on that kid. No easy rookie. whatsoever. The rookie. It's his first I mean, NFL game. First NFL game, fourth-round pick, by the way. I mean, there's a reason why the Browns picked this guy. He has a heck of a leg, and we saw well, that. It's yesterday. also because they haven't had a kicker ever. At least it's Phil Dawson, but no one knows except us who that is. But continue. But I will say this. The roughing the passer call against Brian Burns, to quote Christian McCaffrey, was a horrid call. Absolutely inexcusable. I'm sorry, but that is an inexcusable call. Second, the no fake spike penalty. That it was in the rule book. The NFL rule book clearly states you can't fake a spike and then spike. That it was actually twice on in two games, two separate games. The Saints Falcons game. Yeah. 
it was called and then it wasn't on Jameis Winston. That, that's just an inexcusable no call. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and that made me extremely upset, those two, that one penalty and then the no call there. I'm not saying that, you know, that, that's an excuse for the Panthers not being able to stop the run. Not it's not an excuse, it's a reason. Numbers. It is a reason. And if those if those two circumstances did not take place, I wholeheartedly believe it would have been um, uh, the, the Panthers would have won that game yesterday. Wholeheartedly believe it. It twenty four twenty three. And I'll I'll give credit to Baker for not quitting. And and yes. you heard I forget who it was that said this after the game, but uh, gave a much more detailed answer to what did you think of Baker than Christian McCaffrey did, which was he showed a lot of fight. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. I know it was a defensive player that said, w- when things aren't going right, that's the kind of leader we want to have. He didn't and quit. Yeah. And it's you know, been he, a long time. He came over to the side. Yeah. Baker came over to the sideline multiple times and went to both guys on both sides of the ball and said, took ownership for throws that he missed, number one. Number two, encouraged everybody. That's what a quarterback's supposed to do. That's what a leader's supposed to do. And that that was stated, was that, you know, that's the kind of leader that everybody wants to follow. And as you were just about to allude to, something the Panthers have not, simply have not had. No, but they have not. And and that is a very encouraging sign if you're this Panthers fan base. Sure, Baker Mayfield played terrible for three quarters. And, you know, thankfully that's why they're four quarters in football. But you want to have a, you know, I'm hoping he's going to, you know, look back on this game and be able to uh, correct those mistakes, especially next week against the New York Giants team that looks to be actually pretty decent this year. Um, but, uh, and again, this is only, week one we still got 16 games left to go this season so michael davis to your point about you know being uh you know going off on baker mayfield i'm sorry i'm giving this guy a chance this is only this is only his first game with the panthers he got he, he got uh, uh uh on the team just a few weeks into training camp this guy's still getting to know the system there's still 16 games left in the season i'm not willing to give on him give up on him after the first game of the season uh, with a new team, new teammates, new head coaching staff. I'm just not willing to do that yet. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's week one, overreaction. This is the week of overreactions. We look at the first week of the game. the definition of week one. And we just like overreact. But I've been saying this for months. I've actually been saying this the entirety of Baker Mayfield's career. And revert back to last year this time. Panthers got Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold got a win. Everybody's like, okay, now we have our guy. Sam Darnold rattled off like four wins, started Great the point. season 4-0 Great before point. meeting the Dallas Cowboys. Just want to point that out. And now he's just completely trashed. And we get the next, we get the next season. We get a top five quarterback in the draft with Baker Mayfield. You know, Sam Darnold was a number three pick. I believe Baker was number one. And now it's the same narrative that Baker's going to save this team. And it's not it's not because of that. And Josh, you said it. This offense runs through Christian McCaffrey. Like if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, if the offensive line is healthy, if the defense is playing, the Panthers can be in any game they want to. But it's one going more, to rely on those players. Correct. And and one more thing, Brett, going back to the offensive line. 
Icky Aquanu is not going to face a Miles Garrett every no. single week. No, and Miles My- Garrett is a generational talent, and and there's right. a reason why he's probably going to go down as one of the greatest defensive ends of all time. If I mean, if he gets a Super Bowl Super Bowl ring, he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. But um, the offensive line looked a ton better than it's been over the last couple of years. Besides the two sacks that Icky gave up. That team looked re- – I mean, that, that unit looked really good. Brady Christensen has acclimated himself at left guard. Pat Elfline looked pretty decent at center. Austin Corbett has not missed a beat coming from the Super Bowl defending Los Angeles Rams. And then Taylor Moten has always been a consistent uh, – has been the most consistent lineman that we've had over the last few years since he got drafted. So uh, um, even though we lost, uh, this offensive line already looks like it's headed in the right direction in improving. Yeah, absolutely. And one more thing I want to touch on is is those two penalties. Yes. And the the answer uh, that the White Hat gave um, afterwards didn't satisfy anybody. And if if I'm a Panthers fan, I want a hell of a lot better explanation than what I got that was, we saw forcible contact to the head or neck area, that's why we threw the flag. Okay, the forcible contact was his own offensive lineman's forearm. Exactly right. There was a lot, look, roughing the passer is out of hand, has been, but we had instances over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday, uh, the Alabama-Texas game. My God, that might be the worst one I've ever seen in my life. He, he called targeting on the guy's foot. Then this. Yeah, it, don't, don't get us wrong. Listen, I mean, being a referee in the NFL has got to be one of the hardest jobs in sports. I mean, you, you, you're faced with a, you know, a split-second decision that can either, you know, make you look really bad or really good. And we're right. not condoning the referees out there because I think they do a good job and they do the best they can. But Right, and this, again, this, is not, this is not an excuse for why Carolina lost the game. But if you go back to the situation, Yes. That's at the, the, time, the, of, at the, at the time of that call, that changed the trajectory of the game. Did it decide it ultimately? No. But it changed the entire complexion of that last 90 seconds of that game because it gave the Browns life and backed them up, got them up from being backed up to the shadow of their own goal line. Then you had the intentional grounding, not intentional grounding. Those two calls. That's 30 yards. Yeah. Yes. Because if you think about it, you got the free 15 on that. And then, good call because Michael, what that's that that that's a spot foul, but it's a loss of down. So it's a spot foul from where he faked the spike, which was uh, may, may, maybe a four or five yard penalty. But from the point in which it happens, you've got a free five yards back, and then a loss of down. Then you force. I think it would have been fourth down if they had called that correctly. Instead, they gave him another free third down. So, again, we're not saying that decided the outcome, but th- th- there's a lot that this Panther team has got to clean up, and, and I think we, we can all uh, agree on that going into week two against, uh, Josh, as you said, a, a Giants team that is uh, looking pretty darn good. And uh, we'll get into that.
Uh, Brian Dable's got some pretty big kahunas on him. Uh, Giants making a statement down there in Nashville against the Titans. Um, we'll discuss the Packers and the Vikings. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, and the rock fight that was Sunday night football between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers after this. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And beginning this Friday on WWBG in Greensboro, we're on terrestrial radio, boys. We made it. You know who didn't make it to the end zone or into Aaron Rodgers' circle of trust? Christian Watson. There is, you can't make this up because this is, for the frenzy that is NFL media, this was the perfect storm for the Packers to stink up without a Devontae Adams who, I might add, did not want to be there. Let me say this again. Devontae Adams did not want to play in Green Bay. Devontae Adams was seen last year wearing Raiders gear to the facility during the season. I'm sorry. But as a Green Bay Packers fan, I don't want him here. If he doesn't want to play here, if he's going to wear other teams' gear into our facility, get him out. That being said, these young receivers are going to have to grow up fast. We knew that. We've said that. We've beaten that horse dead. But there was nothing that the frenzy that is Twitter, that is the NFL media, that is everybody that's anybody that hates the Packers, that wants the Packers to fail, that just hates Aaron Rodgers in general, that likes chaos, anybody that's not one of me. That was the perfect storm. Was for the first play of the game, for this guy who Randall Cobb has compared to uh, I believe his release, he's compared to Julio Jones in terms of his release, his speed, and his size. Um, he dusted Patrick Peterson right off the ball. Patrick Peterson was 15 yards behind him. And uh, Patrick Peterson told Aaron Rodgers that. He told Aaron, you can't burn me. I wasn't even, I wasn't even awake yet, were Patrick Peterson's words. And for him to drop that pass... Perfect storm. Twitter exploded. Oh, Christian Watson's in the doghouse. Aaron Rodgers is pissed. Aaron Rodgers hates him. He's not going to throw him the ball. Yada, yada. Well, he didn't throw him the ball again until the fourth quarter. But then they used, did it, was he the one they used on the jet sweep in the thir- second or third quarter? Or was that um, one of the others? Th- that was in the second quarter. Okay. They just wanted to get the ball in his hands again, I think, to get him a little bit of confidence. But, um, look, not having Alan Lazard was the biggest impact to 
Green Bay not being successful offensively. That, and much like Carolina, uh, they didn't run the ball enough. But that's because the defense was getting the top blown off of it by Justin Jefferson. Um, so that, you know, you were in throwing situations regardless based on where your possessions were starting and, you know, where where things were on the scoreboard. But um, the vitriol towards Aaron Rodgers and these rookie receivers and the, the prayers for the downfall, um, there could have been no better moment for everyone to salivate at than that. Um, and you couldn't have made up first game without Devontae Adams. Rookie receiver drops sure touchdown pass. First play from scrimmage of the season. You, you couldn't have... If Steven Spielberg presented someone with that script, they would have thrown it out. But this is the life of the Green Bay Packers. And Brett, that's why you probably do want Devontae Adams on this team right now. Because Michael, even, even if Devontae Michael, was wearing Raider stuff throughout Michael, Lambeau Field, like y'all didn't replace him. And that's the issue that we're seeing is Rodgers doesn't trust any of these receivers. And now the front office didn't help Aaron Rodgers out because... Well, that's not the first time that's happened. Exactly. And I'm I'm feeling your I'm feeling your pain this Monday morning. Yeah. You know, Bear I'm in mind, instead of drafting Jordan Love in twenty twenty, the Packers could have traded up to draft Justin Jefferson. And now you're getting burned by him. By what? 160, 200 yards? Uh, hundred and eighty. He was Randy Moss on Thanksgiving in nineteen ninety nine. That's what he was. Okay, okay, that was foul. That was foul. <laughs> What? He had more than Randy on Thanksgiving in that game. That's foul. Yep. How was that? No. Oh, I'm sorry. That was I was against your... Yeah, sorry. Because you guys always play on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I forgot about that. Because we're like America's we're, team. It's Win or lose, federal, we're America's team. It's federal, lo- it's federal law, apparently, that you play on Thanksgiving, and it pisses me off. Anyways. Yeah. Tradition. It's the 95th Amendment. I don't know. Again... There are two people on this show who I love dearly, but are fans of football teams that I despise greatly with every fiber of my being. I also despise Tom Brady with every fiber of my being. And before I get to that, because it's a segue, um, I'm not going to give a whole lot of credit to the Vikings offense, except for Justin Jefferson. Here's why. There was a lot of schematic things that the Packers did horribly wrong against that babyface Kevin O'Connell offense. He looks like he's 16, and I already... His, just as a Packers fan that hates the Vikings enough already, just to see his little smirk grin on his... I just graduated the 8th grade face. Stop it. And Fox... The graphic of Devontae Adams has more yards than the Green Bay's entire receiving core. Did you have to did you have to beavis and butthead kick us in the nads like that? Come on. We're hurting here. Show a little respect, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. I mean, to be fair, why did you not put Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson except for maybe three times the entire game? 
Do you know who was covering him at one point out of the slot? I forget his name, but it's Preston Smith. He's a linebacker. Not just a linebacker. He's an edge rusher. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that Justin Jefferson could run circles around Preston Smith for forty-five sustained minutes. Yeah, I'm, no doubt he could, and he ran over you guys for about four quarters. So <laughs> he did. But I will. I that, will say. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not. Kirk Cousins well, made some meh. He made some good throws, but the fact that Justin Jefferson was as open for as often as he was is more on the Packers' defense being out-schemed than it is out-performed. Am I wrong? I can see I can see arguments for both ways. Um, I will say it's, and I, I sent, I texted you this, and I sent to Josh a, a text. Thank you, Kevin McConnell, or sorry, Kevin O'Connell, whatever, whatever his name is, um, for finally having an offense that is from this century, night in 2020, not an offense. That is from 2020 or from 19. You know what I'm trying to say. Whatever. I'm just, it's refreshing to actually see, oh, Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. Let's actually throw it for a change and not hand it off to Dalvin Cook or in the previous regime, Adrian Peterson or whoever the plethora of running backs they've had since then. It's, but yeah, I think it was more Kirk Cousins looked at home in that offense. Um, Yes, he. The Packers did some things. They got to Kirk Cousins twice, maybe, but the off. But the offense looked at home with that. He, everyone thought that this was going to be the same offense he ran in uh, Washington when they were there in twenty sixteen. Don't quote me on that. Somewhere around there, it was a completely different offense from the one they were. They they uh, that he was used to. They even said that Kirk Cousins said, "Coach, I have no idea what any of these plays are." So it's completely different offense, which it was refreshing. Like I said, it was refreshing to see an offense from 2020 and not 1920. <laughs> now, Christian, does this weekend change your opinion? I mean, we talked about overreaction Monday, overreaction week one. Does this change your opinion at all on your feelings about Kirk Cousins? Seeing this <laughs> offense operate under him now? That... <sighs> Well, this is a good question. Oh, I'm trying to think here. He he played well, but I before I say that I that I'm a before I say that okay, I like the guy. I need to see him do it consistently before he can do that. And I think they'll have a good test next week when they play Philadelphia. So if Cousins can do this and lead us to more than one playoff win, we'll see what happens. But like you said, it's one week. We got 16 more to go. The Green Bay is gonna get Lazard back. They're gonna figure it out. Well, hopefully not for my sake, but for Brett's sake, so he doesn't have a heart attack. Um, they'll, they'll get it together, but I'm not ready just yet. I like the start, but it's Kirk Cousins, and I need to see that he's not going to pull. Well, quite frankly, he's not going to pull a Kirk Cousins and screw something up down the line. So I now, need to see more of it. Now, to be fair, they have set him up for success. Oh, yeah, like, no doubt. You've given them Jester Jefferson. You've given them Adam Thielen. You gave them Davon Cook. Alexander Madison, pretty good backup running back. Somebody who can, you know, take some of the load off Davon Cook. Defense didn't look bad, you know. No, it didn't. If, if you can shut down Aaron Rodgers like that, no matter who they have as weapons, like, you're doing something right. And, yeah, yeah, I think – yeah, and I – 
it would have been poetic to the way that game should have ended because um what, what was the name uh what, what was the what what was the corner's name that we got from green bay um Stantling, I think, is his oh. name. Almost, almost picked off Aaron Rodgers to end the game with four minutes left. That would have been, been fitting, as was Darius Smith getting a sack on Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, the defense looked definitely looked a lot better than what I anticipated it looking. Um, it it really did, Christian. I was impressed. I mean, y'all sacked Aaron Rodgers four times, and if you can get to Rodgers and you know break through that offensive line, I think that's a huge victory for the Vikings. By the way, one of those sacks coming from former Packer Zadarius Smith, another uh, former Packer who I'm sure uh, is disappointed that he's not on the team anymore. So that looks like could pay off in the long run that pickup by Zadarius Smith to the Vikings. Yeah. So yeah, the defense, at least the front seven looked really good against the Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers in that offensive line. It, it looked improved, but again, Green Bay was out, was without Lazard and Dylan Jones was, or uh, Brett, who's your running back? Dylan, uh, AJ, Dillon. AJ Dillon. Look, that, neither, neither running back had enough touches and I'll, I, I go to this. When it was twenty three seven and that and that fourth and one, um, by the way, Christian Watson on that third and one, Greg Olson apparently forgot to put his right contact in because he said Christian Watson didn't turn his head around. Aaron Rodgers simply missed the throw. Christian Watson's head was all the way around. Rodgers just missed the throw and admitted that. Um, that being said, on that fourth and one, I know time's running short, but. You could afford to give the ball to A.J. Dillon on fourth and one just to get a couple yards and keep the line moving yeah. uh, than, to, than to try and throw that little short out route against um, a defense in Minnesota. I'm glad we're up against the clock. Well, I don't have to talk about my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Okay, and one thing I, I do want to acknowledge, Kevin Kevin O'Connell made a good impression on me when he decided to go for it on fourth down on the first drive of your season. Mm. That I was sitting in my I was sitting in my living room watching this game, going, "Do it, you coward, do it!" And sure enough, it well, Brett, you know what happened. Um, <laughs> so. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> like, uh, Michael. <laughs> I, I I guess you'll get off the hook. Um, Dak Prescott's out for eight weeks, so you're done regardless. Cooper Rush is your only hope. That's sad. And I'm very displeased for you. This is, if you can't see it, you, you all can't see it, but this is the world's smallest violin that I'm playing in my hand right now. Uh, but again, How that's what Michael. Them Cowboys. Yeah, Skip Bayless even said that Cooper Rush was better than Dak Prescott, fully healthy this uh, the other morning. And um, I would like to know what kind of hallucinogenics. Uh, maybe Skip Bayless got a hold of some of Aaron Rodgers' tea uh, from Peru. Skip's been on that 20, 30, 40 years. Let's be honest. It's it's not just that. Nothing he's been new. on He's been on drugs that have been highly illegal for 30 or 40 years, but that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, one last thing. Again. Cam Newton to the Cowboys. I'm just saying Cam Newton to the Cowboys, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Just Cam Newton to the Cowboys is a possibility. Dare. Do not dare. Do not dare it. put that on. A, no. Summoning no. circle. Summoning no. circle. 
Cam Newton to no. Dallas. No. Cam mm. Newton to Dallas. No. Cam end his, Newton end his to Dallas. We can end his, his career in Carolina. That that sounds better to me. It'd be poetic justice for him to go to Dallas. Uh, speaking of the state of Texas, which is pretty much in shambles at this point, we'll talk App State, Texas A&M. We'll talk Alabama, Texas. And we'll talk... Um, so Marshall, Notre Dame, Scott Frost, Georgia Southern. The fun belt is supreme. We will explain why if you don't know already next. We're back here on the score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Christian just not only changed outfits, he changed hats uh, to his App State gear so that the vomit I've had sitting in the back of my throat for the past 31 minutes and 55 seconds could finally recede. Um, but the state of Texas is in shambles football-wise. We're not going to uh, uh, poo-poo on Michael for his um, uh, almost assuredly uh, broken now first half of the season. Um, but if, there, if there's anything you can't overreact on, it's probably that. Let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The Packers are going to be fine, by the way. They're, they're, they're not. Relax. A, a dumpster fire. Yes. So relax. Week one. We're good. We're good. Brett. Week, Our teams are in good shape. Week one. Everybody, everybody's fine. We're fine. We're good. We're fine. Everything's fine. Um, App State. You guys want a crazy stat from that game on Saturday? You know how many plays Texas A&M ran in App State territory the entire game? T- take, a, take a guess. Well, they only ran 38 the entire game, so 10? No, lower. 8. Lower. 2? 6. 3. Good Lord. Texas A&M ran three of their 38 plays across the 50-yard line. The three downs that preceded the missed field goal. That was the only time they crossed midfield. Wouldn't it be four with the the kickoff return? That wasn't a play. Fair enough. That wasn't a play from scrimmage. They ran three plays from scrimmage the entire game, period. And you guys know why? Texas A&M didn't get many chances to get in App State territory. Another crazy Because <laughs> App State held on to the football for almost the entire game. Almost the length of a Stranger Things episode. That's how long App State was. Oh. Unbelievable. I mean, that is such great clock management by Sean Clark and that offensive staff. That was the key to them winning that game was time of possession and just churning the ball through running and Every single time. Cameron Peebles, by the way, without their leading rusher, Nate Noel. Yeah, Nate Nate was out. And um shout out to um friend of the friend of the station, Amani Marshall, the East Forsyth Eagle, and transfer from Wake Forest, who scored that first touchdown in the game. Um look, I told a lot of people this that, that that was a huge pickup for App State. 
to add him to that running back room, and they don't just have to use him in the backfield. They can throw the ball to him as well. Uh, they tried that a few times, but look, I want to say this before we dive into the actual nuts and bolts of the game. Carolina fans, many of you have told me, whether it be jokingly or not, oh, they beat Texas A&M and we beat them, so then we're better than Texas A&M. I have a message for you. Shut up. Shut up. You beat Georgia State by five or whatever it was, five, seven, I don't know. You were trailing going into the fourth quarter to Georgia State in a stadium that's only half full on a good day. Stop it. Save it. Can it. Burn it. Lose it. You're not good. Your defense is atrocious. Very. Your offense is only going to keep you in so many games, Carolina fans. And also, real quickly, I'd also like to speak to the App State fans that are wishing we were 2-0 and right now. Sure, the loss against Carolina was unfortunate. We were one play away from winning that game. But this team beat the number six team in the country. That's the first time that's ever been done in a top ten team since Michigan in 2007. Celebrate this week, App State Nation. This okay, is a money. And I, I saw a lot of people, and I told my dad, I was like, I don't want to be this guy, but this almost makes last week sting a little bit more. Yeah, and I mean. and it, it, I'm, I don't think I'm wrong in that, but by the same vein, you just beat a top 10 team. I mean, for goodness sake, in their be own happy. Stadium. In their own stadium. You took $1.5 million to go beat a team that pays each one of those players that much at NIL money. Oh, yeah, not wrong. I said it. Sorry. I mean, it's not like Jimbo didn't say that during his press conference. We went after when they he did with Saban. He did. It's not like what what made this win so much sweeter is it was against Jimbo Fisher. That like that it it, and it it felt really good. Texas A and M's midnight yell that they have traditionally, where a few of the players said that the App State guys didn't know how to read. Um. Apparently, nobody on the Texas Texas nobody on the Texas A and M offense knew how to properly run a route or block. I mean, let's be honest here. There's been a debate with Texas A and M their quarterback mm-hmm. situation. They started the wrong guy. It should have been uh, I don't even know their names. I, I don't care anymore. But they they've started the wrong guy. Their their backup. If 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 King guy. if King has not lost his job after that Saturday. I don't know what else has to be done for him to lose it. Um, Jalen McLeod, the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week, I might add, well made deserved. Mr. Made Mr. King his personal punching bag uh, because he lived in the backfield and forced, I, th- I think he forced two fumbles, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he forced two play. fumbles on the same play. Because remember, he forced a fumble in the strip sack, the old lineman picked it up, and then he got back up, chased down the old lineman, and Peanut punched it out from him. This is a classic situation of all this talent, all this money, all this prestige. At the end of the day, the talent and the prestige and the NIL money and the recruiting and the four and five stars couldn't beat 
couldn't beat a bunch of kids from two mountain cities. The illustrious Notre Dame held in such high regard. Especially after, after lo- Ohio State. Especially after losing to Ohio State. Waxed by Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have been one of the ignoramuses that has been disrespecting and devaluing the Sunbelt Conference, let me, show, let me show you the dollar line that three Sunbelt schools took home to beat three Power 5 teams and essentially, A, take Texas A&M's college game day visit, B, uh, make... Notre Dame's head coach, the first one ever to start 0-3, and, and C, take Nebraska's head coach's job. Oh, yeah. $4.173 million combined to Georgia Southern, Appalachian State, and Marshall to beat Nebraska, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M, three teams that are not only Power 5 teams, not only are two of those three top 10 teams, those are recognizable college football brands. Those are blue-blood college football programs. Everyone knows who they are. People knew who App State was. People kind of knew who Marshall was. People kind of knew who Georgia Southern was. But now, everybody knows. And I remember... Sean Clark, head coach for App State, said this during a press conference last year. He gave a shout-out right after the announcement happened of when Marshall and Southern Miss and Old Dominion and every and everybody else joined Old the Dominion's got a Power 5 win, too. They beat Virginia Tech. Keep yep. that in mind. Coach Clark shouted out Doug Gillen, the athletic director for App State, because he had a big say in helping get those teams to join the Sun Belt Conference. And we're seeing that pay off. It's early in the season, two weeks in, but still the Sunbelt Conference is going to be a conference to watch this uh, this season. And by the way, I got to give a shout out to Anish Shuroff, the ESPN announcer oh, yeah. of the State game. He made a great comment and a great, a great summary of App State's football program in one sentence. He said, when D- David beat Goliath in 2007, since then David has hit the weight room. <laughs> Great and, and great think, think about it. Guys, we talked about this last week after the Carolina game. Five games in seven years against Power 5 schools, App State has lost by one score. Every one of us on this program thought for sure there was going to be a way to for that to slip away again. But by the grace of the football gods, Texas A&M's kicker forgot how to stand up properly and shank apotomist uh, the potential game-tying field goal, uh, and then Cam Peoples ended it with his own two giant legs. Look, you went in there and you beat the number six team in the country. And Sean Clark said that. We'll go play anybody, anytime, anywhere. We don't care. Nobody wants to play us now. No. No, nobody wants to play the Sun Belt, period. Aside from all this, Georgia State almost beat Carolina. Nobody's going to schedule Sun Belt schools ever again. It's not happening. It's a Can shame we, this tournament isn't starting this week or this season. The expanded playoff, yeah, it is, it is a shame. And look, 
App State's 28th in the AP poll right now. Marshall's 26th, and I think Carolina is is so, somewhere in that range as well if they're not already ranked. But we have just a couple of minutes left here. Um, guys, I pose you this question. Where on God's green earth is College Game Day going to put the pit? That I've been wondering that for about a while since I heard that. I don't know. Since the announcement came down and App State was stuck on the tarmac in College Station and didn't get back to Boone until 10.30 the next morning, um, and uh, Coach Clark made that announcement to the team as they were stuck on the tarmac, there's only a few logical places I can think of but only one that ha- only one that has TV friendly visibility of the mountains, which is midfield with the hill and the scoreboard behind. That, yeah, that's. I mean, other than trying to. I mean, the only other place I've I've heard Sanford Mall. That's but, not really visually appealing. I mean, those I mean, are the only le- two. Logistically speaking, logistically speaking, it works, but you know, visually, meh. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Moore Plaza, somebody said that. No, that's way too tight a space. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right With there the at the storm, entrance to Stadium like Drive that. at the Yosef statue. No, that's not Duck Pond. Eh. Yeah, you, maybe three bad. years ago you could have. Yeah. I think Do somebody said uh, somebody said Rayleigh. Uh, no. Do it from Beasley. Do it live on our air. Um. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just come to WASU. Uh, I'm Davis. the at L House. No, Alehouse on the deck of Alehouse might not be a bad option. Sure, or yeah. I heard someone say that field in front of the convocation center, but that again would not be visually appealing. You just have on top of the River Street deck. Look, I, they might even shut down King Street at oh, this yeah. point I mean, because they shut down King Street on Saturday. And I'll say this final thing before we say goodbye. I think I speak for every one of us when when I say that I, all three of us I think wish we were students yeah. that we were we were too young to to have been there when we beat Michigan and we were too old to have been there when we beat Texas A and M. Um, I would have killed to have run down King Street and that video that exploded on Twitter yeah. of just this gaggle of students running directly into each other at the middle of King Street and just going nuts that is what aside from us being app state people that's what college football means to places like boone north carolina that's why college game day is coming here yep a win like that at a place like this means so much to so many people when so many people hardly even know your name or how to pronounce it Particularly how to pronounce it. Yeah. Specifically. But they do now. Um, so let me tell this to the college game day producers before they come to Boone, and specifically Lee Corso, because I know he's going to do it because he's like 86. If Pat McAfee... He, oh, one, one more thing, one more thing. Over, oh. under. Over, under on how quickly Pat McAfee goes headfirst into the duck pond. By the, end of the, by the end of the show, I can see him doing it. I'm going first hour, baby. Eight... <laughs> 9.59. He is sending oh, it into the duck pond. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. But uh, Lee, Mr. Corso, not so fast, my friend. It's Appalachian. 
please spell it phonetically for him and put it on the bus, like plaster it. Somebody's going to bring a sign that says that too. Oh, also, uh, for those that are going, um, uh, there are sign guidelines. They're available at collegegameday.com. Don't be stupid. That being said, the Sunbelt Conference right now is better than the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12. The Sunbelt Conference is the best conference in college football. Fun Belt Supremacy. And it continues Saturday when College Game Day comes for Troy and App State. Michael. Everybody get your championship belts because it is the Fun Belt Conference. It's the Fun Belt, baby! Fun Belt merch is available on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio website, or it will be soon, I'm sure. For Michael Davis, Josh Scott, Christian Emery, and everyone with College Game Day that is almost assuredly has no idea what they're getting into on Saturday morning, Goodbye.